Today in the podcast, we have Steve Wild, CEO and founder of Life Sport Health Clubs. He has a great story about how he got started in music, took 32 years off, and then this is a great tidbit at the end, talks about how uh, finding something of energy from your youth really invigorated his business and his outlook on, on the world and life. It's a really great conversation. Let's jump right into it. The Leadership Superpowered Podcast is brought to you by Caxi Interactive, a custom software development company focused on helping mid-market companies achieve enterprise value through creating custom software that optimizes their business, creates huge leaps in customer experience, and widens their mode of differentiation in the market. Well, Steve Wild, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Steve is the uh, founder and CEO of LifeSport. Uh, they bunch of locations here in Chicago. Uh, and uh, you're another one of my guests on my experiment, uh, learning about people who have music in their background and how they brought it to uh, their business life. And you just started telling me this great story about okay, your origin story about music. And I made you cut it off so you could tell it again. Uh, it's had a, had a surprise twist I did not see coming. So, maybe, so dial us back and talk about how you came into music and kind of the events that led you to put it down for 30 years. Well, um, you know, it, it's actually an interesting story because I, I grew up in the city of Chicago and, uh, you know, we all remember when, when the Beatles came and everybody was just, just, you know, fell in love with, uh, with, with music and, uh, everybody wanted to be in a band. And, and in those days, you know, it wasn't like, uh, uh, only a certain type of demographic played music, you know, I mean, you had jocks playing music, you had, you know, the hipsters playing music, it was everybody, everybody yeah. just played, you know? And um, so I, I, I played in bands from the time from seventh grade through through ninth grade. And then, um, you know, in that time, as I we like a lot of families, we moved to the suburbs. And, you know, I went from this little parochial grammar school on the north side of the city with 30 kids in the um, in the class to a, a thousand yeah. in my, my, my freshman class at Maine West. And uh, so I, I played in the band for, for the, the first year. And then so I was coming back from band practice. It was, it was actually June 25th, 1970. And I'm, I'm riding through Park Ridge on my Schwinn Varsity. And I'm just flying through this intersection. Boom, I get nailed. And um, it was this kind of a, uh, an interesting situation for me because I thought, you know, I, I, I'm a little, little weird, weirded out by where music is going right now. Maybe I just need to go a different direction. I'll, I'll put the guitar down. And uh, didn't touch it for, for, for 32 years. Wow. And then um, my daughter was a professional tennis player uh, in, a, in a former life. She played the tour from uh, 1987 to, to 2000. She was like top 20 in the world and, uh, you know, played all, all the big events. And so we'd, we'd be in, you know, Europe or Asia and uh, the Internet was starting to become available. So uh, eBay was was just emerging. Yeah, sure. So I um, I would surf around eBay. I thought, you know, I I just wonder if I can find my old guitar, my old amplifier. And what you know? your old guitar? And, 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 what you know, was your rig? What'd you have your set up there? Well, well, you know, here's here here was the deal. You know, um, my first my first uh, uh, guitar was uh was a uh silver tone guitar it was the this the silver tone guitar with the amp in the case no. and uh, what we did was uh, I couldn't play chords as well as the other guy in the band so um what we did is we put uh bass strings on this this silver tone oh, really? and and that, that was my my, my first uh, my, my first bass guitar or docking up bass guitar okay. and then <clears throat> about a year later uh, my mom saved a lot of dough and uh, uh, went to Biasco Music in the in the city on Belmont. I remember that. And I got a Gibson, a '66 Gibson EBO, 
uh, in in Maroon and uh, or Burgundy, and uh, so that that was my first real real base. And then you know the guys the guys that had the really cool stuff they had the EBO, and then they had the Fender Basement. Yeah. Well, Fender Basement was like four hundred bucks at the time, so that was a little bit out of the out of my price range. So I had the Silvertone Bass Amp thirty five. Mm. So that was that was like that that was the next best thing. Okay. So, um, but, but again, you know, as kids, we would take the L downtown and, and we go to on, on the, the music stores on, on Wabash Avenue, Frank's drum shop and, and, uh, 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 Baldwin music. And you'd see, you know, these big customs, uh, uh, amplifiers, you know, the, the tuck and roll with the sparkle. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the, uh, 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 Hoffner bass. I remember Hoffner oh, yeah, bass was 350 bucks at the time, you know. And uh, so, and then, and then the other thing we would do is we'd hang out at the local music store. You know, we used to hang out at Continental Music. You know, it was uh, uh, I think it was like Bryn Mawr and Kimball, something mm-hmm. like that. And, and you know, you, you'd sort of hang out there, and you know, the, the good guys would come and play, and you'd you know, kind of you know, your jaw would drop watching them, you know, play play a, a lick that was famous at the time. Yeah. You know, and, you know, for me, it was you know. The, the the test of any bass player was you know could they play the bass line to Hey Joe okay. and so that that was that was really really, really your, your test of whether you were the real deal oh that's great and so um but but again you know you'd see these you know at Continental Music they had these big beautiful amplifiers and stuff and you just oogle and stuff yeah. and hang out and it was you know it was, it was that so that that's the background so fast forward you know I'm in high school and I get hit by a car coming back from band practice I, I don't touch a guitar for th- 32 years um, my last daughter's last few years in the tour you know I, I get this urge you yeah. know that I'd like to collect this stuff I don't necessarily want to play but you know I want to want to collect this stuff. Yeah. And so um, I started to collect a little bit. And then um, the, my, my kids got me some guitar lessons. I thought, you know what? I, I played bass as a kid. Let, let, let me play yeah. guitar because I, I, can't, I can't just hang around playing sure. bass. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of – there's no fun to that. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I started taking guitar lessons. And then um, I had the guitar teacher at my house. And my wife pops her head in. And she says, you know, Renee is going to have a 65th birthday party for Bob, who was a lifelong mentor of mine and and uh, been looking out after me since I was 17. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, maybe you could do some live music. And so I said, well, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if I switch back to bass, I'm, I'm sure I could do it. So um, there. Uh, so I, I went to um, I get my guitar teacher uh, who played rhythm guitar and then. I uh, went to the bass player at church. I said, "Hey, do you know anybody that knows some '60s, you know, rock?" Sure, sure. And so he 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 introduced me to a friend of a friend of Woody Johnson's. And so you know, Woody has really been my my partner in crime with the class of '68. Right. And without him, there wouldn't be a class of '68 because he was plugged into the music scene the whole all, okay. the whole okay. time. Yeah. And so I said, "Okay, Woody, look, I, I just want to form a band." For you know, one night we're going to play like six or seven songs, and and what we'll call it a day. So we then I, I got my my son-in-law to play keyboards, and the the guitar teacher had a drummer, and so we we put this thing together, got got in a little practice studio, and I go, oh man, this is great, I love yeah, this. Yeah. Well, long story made short is um, I, I fell in love with it after uh, one one uh, sort of half of a set in uh, in two. 2002 
and and then then you know it it hasn't stopped since. So uh, that's, well, so, that's so tie a few my, things together. That's kind of my story. It's it's it. Uh, so, so tell me so about the business. I don't know if, if it's a chicken or egg, which came first. So you're, it sounds like maybe were you your daughter's coach and traveling with her? Like where, where did you cross well, the you know, company up? So, so what happened was, you know, I, I, I never, you know, the interesting thing is I look back on my life. Uh, if someone would have told me when I was younger that I'd be doing what I'm doing, it wouldn't have been out of the realm of reasonability. It wouldn't have shocked me, yeah. but it's not anything. It was nothing I ever planned to do. Sure, sure. And so um, I was concerned that, you know, in this big high school that I may not get a letter in football or basketball. It's like, oh, well, hey, I'll play tennis. You know, I, I think I can do that. Right. So, again, another interesting story. I just fell in love with tennis and just, you know, got got so into it that, you uh, now I earned a scholarship uh, to DePaul University, and then when I graduated from school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, and and uh, found out that I had a real skill for teaching kids, you know, okay. developing young uh, tennis players, and then built a tennis school out of that, and then from that I built one club, and then uh, eventually it became four clubs, and that's just kind of the way way things evolved, but. But, you know, music was never, you know, for, for 32 years, it was just gone. Yeah. But interestingly enough, uh, you know, Joe Contafio uh, was uh, had this band called Jade, Jade 50s. And in the 1980s, I, I just I sort of serendipitously um, happened on him playing in a, in a bar one night. Mm. And, you know, I used to follow Jade all the time. And I would just sit there and I'd watch Joe and I'd go, there was something in me that just kind of, you know, just really resonated with and thinking, boy, I could do this. I could do this and never, ever had any plan to do it. And interestingly enough, when I was taking guitar lessons, my, my teacher said, you think you'd ever want to play in a band? I go, absolutely not. I got way too many things going on. I, I own these clubs. I my daughter's playing tennis. I, I, there's absolutely no yeah. way, you know. And, um, you know, so it's funny how things, how things happen. Yeah. So one of the things I've been talking to people about kind of who have music in their background is, you know, you have a really interesting story having been in it as a younger person, then coming back when you're a little bit older. Um, was, is there anything about like the dynamic of, you know, being in a band or, you know, about, you know, recommitting yourself, taking lessons that you, that you, you look at your business life and, and say like, I want to do something I pulled in from the music side of my world. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, huge. Well, first of all, the thing that I really enjoy, I, I, I love the energy of, of playing in a band. And there's just, there's just, there's just something about it that just, you know, we, we can play a gig and, and, uh, you know, I have a sort of a high, you know, for the next, the oh, next sure. week. I mean, I just, I just love doing it. Um, but, but the interesting thing was, um, you know, marketing is, um, uh, and digital marketing is uh, really one of the it has has revolutionized uh, the business world. Yeah, and uh, in my business, because you know my my I own four tennis and fitness clubs. Two are in uh, the north part of Illinois, so uh, Kenosha, um, uh, Libertyville, and Lincolnshire. Then I own two just over the state line in, in um, Kenosha and Racine, and. It, being in a large metropolitan area, traditional forms of of marketing. I, I should say that you know I I I, I uh, went to DePaul University on a tennis scholarship. Got got a degree in. I started off as an accounting major, okay, and that got too too, too boring and finished in marketing. But then years later, uh, I went back to the Kellogg Business School, and so. Um, 
um, marketing is a really big part of of Kellogg. It's it's one of their mm-hmm. strengths. And so um, um, tennis clubs or fitness clubs in a large metropolitan area don't have the same access. The 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 scalability um, is makes uh, traditional forms of of marketing kind of out of reach. You know, in other words, we're not going to put commercials on TV. Yeah. We're not going to do billboards. We're not going to do all those types of things. So you say, well, you know, how how do you do this? And, you know, when I started in the business, you know, the yellow pages were, were the biggest form of, mm-hmm. uh, the most effective form of, uh, of advertising. And then and then a little bit of direct mail. Well, we know what, what's happened with that over time. Yeah. So what I found with the band is you know digital marketing and Facebook in particular with with the the demographic for our band yeah. is absolutely critical. So it's launched me into the whole digital marketing mm-hmm. realm. And so um, now you know post pandemic, you know we're, we're looking at you know developing a uh, a digital marketing model you know for the clubs, and we'll be going pretty much exclusively with. Uh, di- digital marketing, so that that's a carryover from yeah. from the 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 music world to the business world. And again, you know, absent uh, the band, I'm not even sure I'd be on Facebook. But right. Uh, right. anybody that follows me on Facebook knows that you know <laughs> I get all sorts of interesting stuff. I have my grandkids and the the yeah. band and and what have you. So I'm, I'm a bit of a Facebook junk junkie. Well, that's great because you're right. I mean, in in uh, you know, in a digital marketing age, I think one of the key things that I, I hear a lot about in, in our business is um, that there's so much noise. Like there's just you know, you get a million messages. And I'm curious for you, you know, having been you know having having grown these businesses, you've been to to Kellogg uh, and, and and been through some of their their training. What, what if anything, what's worked for you from a you know cutting through the noise and finding your your market and digital? Market? Well, well, the, the, it, it, again, the 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 reality is that. Um, one of the things I learned at the Kellogg Business School is that, you know, when you spend a million dollars on marketing, the only thing you really know is you spend a million bucks on marketing. So that, I mean, that, that's just that that's that's the reality. Yeah, yeah. But what I will say, and again, we have we really pulled back during the, the pandemic because the, the with limited resources, it makes no sense to put a lot of money into any kind of marketing because as soon as the 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 next wave of the pandemic would come up it was it was like we we were shut down yeah. we were we were put through some mitigations so i mean it so the 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 um um sort of the the private club business that whole space has probably lost 3 years of selling seasons oh, yeah. you know, generally you know january uh is is the big selling season and even you know planet fitness um you know, did not pull any of their their, their marketing money back um, this last January, and you know they just did not have the effectiveness that, that, that they normally do. You know, because of the pandemic. So, so if you've got limited resources, uh, we haven't done a whole. Yeah. you're not going to do a whole lot. We haven't done much. But what I will tell you is that I think the beauty of digital marketing is you can you can spend the smart dime instead of the dumb dollar yep. because you've got instant feedback. You know how many clicks, you know, who, 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 the, who the, the clientele are, who the people are yeah. that, that you're actually sending the message to and the degree to which it's resonating. So, I mean, it, it's it's a it's a whole new world that I think is terribly exciting that I would not have really gotten conversant with mm-hmm. absent yeah. my uh, activity with the band. Well, you, you touched on something that's been a hot topic um, on other 
other uh, interviews I've had, <clears throat> which is sort of how people found a way to get through the pandemic. And some businesses adapt pretty well to it. Like, you know, our business is a software business and um, literally everyone could go home the next day and it was kind of the same business. Whereas you kind of have to go to the club to be at the club, I think. Uh, and, and with music, you know, we didn't, we didn't play a gig for two years because there was nowhere to go. I'm curious, like what, what did you guys yeah. do with four locations and you know, four, you know, uh, leases and all that kind of overhead? How'd you get through it? Like what, what worked? Well, we were very fortunate because, you know, a big part of our business is still tennis. Mm -hmm. And tennis is, um, each, each tennis court is 6,500 square feet oh, okay. with, 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 with a 40-foot ceiling. Yeah. So, so it really is the functional equivalent of being outside. Okay. So um, so the, the tennis aspect of our business did very, very well. The fitness side you know, is still right. is still not back to pre-pandemic levels, but our, our our total revenues are actually have exceeded pre-pandemic levels. So 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 in two thousand and eight, we didn't fare quite as well as we did in um in in twenty twenty. So again, sometimes you get these these black swan events, yeah. and you just don't know how the business is is going to respond. Yeah. So did your mix change to more? tennis or charging more absolutely absolutely and then and then with, with with certain amounts of the remediation uh for the various waves you know they would say okay well you can't have more than x amount of people on, on a court yeah right so so then we'd have to we'd have to switch from group lessons to to to, to, to private lessons yeah Interesting. And did you find, did you find the guidance to, to be relevant to you? Because I know some people when they would, you know, come up with some sort of guidance about what remediations were in place, it would work for some businesses, but not for others. Whereas I think as you're saying, tennis is kind of an ideal sport, like in a way, like for racket sports, racquetball would probably be the worst because you're in a, you know, in a fishbowl with somebody, Right. but right. You know, outside, right. it seems like it kind of lends itself well to the, you know, the new world that we're in, I guess. Well, I, I was very fortunate because I have been in sort of a, a vistage equivalent for um, owners of yeah. uh, privately owned recreation facilities, hmm. you know, since since the early 90s. And so um, the interesting thing for us was that we had feedback from from all, all, all over the country. And so I knew what was happening with PPP activity on the East Coast, the West Coast. And so you know, being able to, and we, we would be on these conference calls what, what, once a week comparing notes. And so uh, that was very helpful. And then um, originally, um, my uh, my partner in our Wisconsin clubs was a guy named Alan Schwartz, who owns all of the, 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 the Midtown clubs. Mm. Uh, and so uh, his son, Steve, now runs the, the business day to day. And Steve did a masterful job of um, of coalescing all of the, the 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 private clubs together to form something called the Illinois Fitness Alliance huh. and that gave us a a a voice in Springfield and also sort of a, a built a conduit into you know um the decision making in in Springfield so so uh Gail Landers you know of the fitness formula clubs was also very instrumental in that, but but th those guys uh, together just did a really really great job of making sure that that in a situation like this, uh, our voice was heard because oftentimes lawmakers have no idea what kind of impact is going their their decisions will have, and then by us being able to educate them and being involved in the decision making process, you know, <clears throat> it just 
uh, it helps things immeasurably. And again, you know, everybody can bemoan the fact, you know, the lockdowns and, and everything yeah. else. And, you know, again, I've got my own opinions about that. But but I think things could have been a hell of a lot worse in the state of Illinois had uh, we not had our, our fitness alliance. And that's, you know, that's really you know, Steve and, uh, and, uh, Gail Anderson. That's great. And I feel like, uh, it's funny. Uh, I have a, a group, a similar group and actually two groups like that. Uh, one really industry focused and one a little bit broader and, um, you know, partnerships are a lot of how, you know, I know our business got through that and you're, you're not alone. I feel like I've heard a similar story and that people, you know, looking to, um, you know, kind of share knowledge and, uh, you know, share pathways through an idea that was, that's been a success story. I think I've heard a, a number of times over. It's really good to hear. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was in, in, invaluable. Yeah. You know, so I'm wondering just maybe as a, as a final thought here, um, uh, your, your, your music path kind of had with that big break in the middle is, is really intriguing to me. Um, I know it's funny. I took a break, um, for about three years because I was done with, I was done with music and it was really frustrating. And my wife, uh, actually came to me one time and said, you know, I think you should probably pick this thing up again. I think you're getting a little bumpier. <laughs> you know, you were, you were happier when you were doing that. Uh, did you notice like what, what, what about, you know, um, like you, you have a real smile on your face when you talk about the class of 68 stuff. Um, it kind of is a final thought on, you know, what, um, what, what has music brought back into your life that you were, uh, you know, it, it's, it, that, that, that's a, that's an excellent point because, uh, one, um, uh, Jim Lair, uh, now works in the area of, uh, corporate performance and, uh, human performance. And he started off in the tennis world, hmm. you know, um, and as a, as a sports psychologist studying motivation and success and, and, uh, and attitudes that were, that, that you need. And, um, a few years ago, he wrote a book called the power of full, of full engagement. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm using this as an example because, I mean, it wasn't because of reading the book that I did this. It's just that in my life, I've always tried to move to where I was, where I felt at equilibrium. Okay. Uh, and, and where my activity was releasing energy in me, right? And so, you know, that, that, that was the whole thing with tennis. And, um, but after a lifetime of it, you know, it starts to become the same old, same old. Yeah. And and the point that Jim made in the book is that particularly with mid-career executives, you know, the the um, the monotony can sort of sort of um, uh, uh, creep in. And then you're not nearly as effective as you once were because you don't have that that enthusiasm, that 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 energy that, that you really need. And you know, the interesting thing about you know the aging process is is you get you start to get a little complacent. And yes, you've got the knowledge, but you don't have the piss and vinegar to actually make make anything happen. Right. right? Sure, yeah. So 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 in a roundabout way, Jim's point in the book was go back to something that you did as a child. And and recapture that enthusiasm, that energy that that you had in some other field of endeavor. I love and he, that. He gave the example of a guy that was a you know mid mid career business guy, and just just getting bored. And so what he loved to do was coach basketball. Mm. So he went back and he coached you know his kids basketball team, and that just lit a fire under the guy. Yeah. And that energy carried through into the into the more significant areas of life. Mm. So, so 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 for me, you know, I've always had various, you know, things that I've been involved with 
uh, and have always moved towards you know the area where it would release the most energy. But again, you get to a certain point, you got to pay the bills, you got responsibilities, yeah, yeah. everything else. So, so, so for me, I, I would say that you know the class of '68. And and playing this music that I grew up with as a kid. First of all, it's all high energy oh, stuff. Sure, I mean, yeah. SS68 is a you know uh, is a high energy sort of dance band from from the 1960s. So it's Beatles, it's Rolling Stones, yeah. it's it's Motown. I mean, it's it's just stuff that just you want to get up and, and move to. And and so it, it's released that passion and energy for me because now the other part of my life is that I developed my daughter as a world class. A tennis professional. Yeah. Now I'm doing the same thing with with, with my grandkids. My mm-hmm. my youngest grandson was the number one in the country last year, and, the, and then the boys' twelves. So now I find myself schlepping around yeah. to to junior tennis tournaments all, yeah. all over the country yeah. with them. And again, it could get real old and real monotonous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I bring my guitar with me, and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm able to you know to to, to play when when the kids are asleep, and uh, it's just it releases a lot of energy in me. That's really great. Well, that was a, that was a real zinger to end on. I, re- I appreciate that. Story. I think I'm going to go get that book. I feel like I know that name. And so that may be something. Jim Lair, yeah. yeah. He, he worked with this guy, Jack Groppel. Yeah. Uh, and, and together that they, they, they formed a, a partnership. And, and now, now they're, they're really doing a lot of uh, corporate performance. So, okay. so again, it's that, that energy, you know, that you have to have in order to be successful at anything. Yeah. Well, this is great. Uh, thanks for being on uh, today. I'd love to do it again sometime. Be great. I enjoyed it. Thanks. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. I know you can't like and subscribe to every podcast that you listen to, but if you do it for just one this week, I hope it's mine.